CBD. You've heard the acronym, but do you really know what it is? We'll dive into the science of medical cannabis, what it has been used for to treat, and the results. You'll hear incredible stories of how some patients overcame cancer and epilepsy with the help of CBD, including a five-year-old little girl who went from 300 seizures a week to only one a week. Next on Technically a Conversation. Greetings, super friends. Welcome to another edition of Technically a Conversation. Here, we like to share an interesting topic with each other, which we've recently learned and hope you find it interesting too. I'm one half of your host, Cicela. Joining me as always is my sometimes crazy friend, but always fun, co-host. How are you, Jose? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing rather lovely, except for these allergies are kicking my butt with all this wind. Yeah, I'm over these allergies, as the kids would say. I just know that it's so bad. I feel like I even sound different. I don't know. You sound the same to me. Okay, good. I just always sound all um, weird and stuffy then. (laughs) Well, once I'm putting the podcast together, I think I'll be able to tell if you sound a little nasally or not. That's true. Yeah. Hopefully I don't. Give some Ozzy Osbourne vibes. Oh my God, this poor guy. I can't even understand what he's saying. (laughs) I can understand them more when he's singing than when he's talking. Yeah, that's really true. That's a good point. Right at the top, we're going to go ahead and remind everybody about our very cool opportunity to win your very own super sexy, technically a conversation t-shirt. And what do they have to do, Jose? Super simple for the super sexy (laughs) t-shirt. Just leave us a review. I wouldn't even demand that it's a favorable review like Isela does. I do like to demand. I will not demand. Just leave us any old review. <laughs> Send us a screenshot to one of our socials. We're at Greetings TAC everywhere. And all the instructions are on technicallyaconversation.com or just check the show notes. Yes. And thank you to all who have already contributed and to everybody listening. And to all who will leave us a review in the future. That's right. We got to will it. We got to will it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to shout out the queens, Erica and Elena, the Duke, Stephen B, (laughs) and Irene A. Yeah! Thank you so much for sharing us on your socials. We really do appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Today's topic is kind of cool. I learned a shit ton. Let me ask you this. What do you know about CBD? I know everything. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, I don't know that much. I know that a lot of people use it to reduce pain. People use it for chemotherapy to kind of counteract some of the side effects of that. And it comes from the marijuana plant. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of the same thing that I knew before as well. And now that more and more states are kind of legalizing it, at least even for medicinal purposes, I kept thinking like, I don't really know enough about CBD and just cannabis in general in medicine. So being that April is Cannabis Awareness Month, I thought this would be a good opportunity to learn more. And, you know, really more like the science, we're going to get into a little history, we're going to get like a nice full spectrum of stuff today. 
What do you think about that? Sounds very interesting. Cool. So we're going to kick it off with a cool fun fact. According to Donald Abrams, he's a medical doctor, chief of hematology at oncology in San Francisco General Hospital. People have been using cannabis for over 3,000 years as medicine. And it just hasn't been medicine in America for the last 70 years. So that's kind of a shame just right off the bat. 3,000 years is a really long time. I mean, if we've been using it for that long, I would imagine they knew something, right? That sounds very possible. To even out the playing field, let's quickly cover what some might already know about cannabis. Dr. Stacy Gruber in Sanjay Gupta's documentary titled Weed, she said it does lighten one's mood. Usually a calm and pleasurable feeling is associated because it interacts with your serotonin. One might also have an increased sense of appetite. I guess this is like what people would refer to as like the munchies. Sometimes it is reported that there's an associated feeling of being more creative. This is why in a 2011 60 Minutes episode, Lady Gaga said that she likes to smoke cannabis when she's writing music, specifically stating it helps her creative process. I didn't even know she did that. Yeah, she doesn't look like somebody that would do that. Well, actually, I, thinking back on some of her videos, I can see where she drew inspiration from. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When she would wear those weird ass meat dresses. Yeah. It was really strange, but you know, whatever. That's neither here nor there. Her music is really great. I will have to say. So now we're going to take our tiny little dip into science regarding how it works just in general, overall in our brain. We're basically Dipping our big toe into science. Okay, not, not the full-on dip. I already got both of my feet in the water. <laughs> All right, sweet. Uh, one of the many systems in our body is called the endocannabinoid system. And its main goal is basically to keep the balance. That's it. So when cannabis is ingested or in consumed in some way, the THC, and I'll explain a little more about THC, but that THC molecule makes our cells behave in a different way. That's just the quick and dirty of it. Here's the neat part is that these cannabinoid receptors are found in virtually every organ of our body. So since it's trying to keep the balance, one of the biggest things the cannabinoid uh, system manages is stress. So you can imagine how it sometimes works overtime for those people with high stress jobs. This is exactly why when someone is put in a high stress situation, like our brave soldiers, their brains are constantly being flooded with adrenaline. The brain has to kind of signal that that is over, but it's really hard to recover from that high burst of stress. So when people have PTSD, scientists believe that their brain doesn't get that signal to start recovering. So the THC acts like its own cannabinoid or like our own produced cannabinoids. And that's why Scientists believe that this helps people with PTSD, where we're normally would be producing that cannabinoid to calm us down. THC comes in and like, hey, I got you and kind of calms people down. Interesting. Yeah, of course. Uh, the doctors did mention that PTSD does also need other treatments. So it's not just full on cannabis and like, hey, you'll be fine. So there's like behavior therapy and all this other stuff that has to go along with it. But they did just mention how that would be key for people with PTSD. And we have so many people coming back from war. I mean, this is 
I don't know, it seems pretty crucial. So it is important to note, though, also that it can lead to paranoia, to panic attacks, disorganized thinking. It sounds like you can be easily disoriented. It mostly affects the prefrontal cortex, that part in your front, um, which is really like your judgmental side. Uh, you know, your reasoning, your thinking, that type of area of your brain. So it doesn't look like it would be good for those people who already have like panic attacks or feel like constant paranoia. That's me. No, <laughs> no, that's not true. Not the paranoia part, but the panic attacks. Yeah. No, is that true? I think I'm able to control them. But yeah, I do freak out a lot. Oh, wow. I, did, I don't think I knew that about you. I think I've said on several podcasts that I do have anxiety and all that shit. So panic attacks is like when people like really shut down or unless that's just maybe an extreme version of a panic attack. I don't think I've ever had a full on panic attack, but I have had a severe anxiety where I feel like I can't even leave the house. Oh, wow. That is bad. Well, maybe cannabis might be your answer. I'm just kidding. I don't don't really know. (laughs) I'm not going to suggest anything. (laughs) No, it's the opposite. Oh yeah, that's right. It would not be. That's right. Because if you already have that, definitely don't do it. So we know that it's a plant. Ancient Hindu text said that it was given to us by the god of Shiva for the pleasure of humans, quote unquote. What a kind god that is, right? That's why they call it sweet, sweet Shiva. Sweet. I did not know that. (laughs) I don't know. I had some friends in high school that would call it that. Oh, that's good to know. Wow. The sweet, sweet Shiva. (laughs) Diving a little bit deeper into science now from all the articles and documentaries that I read and watched, there's a professor... Metulum, I I hope I said that right. He isolated the two main components of cannabis. One is the tetrahydrocannabinol, which is also known as THC. THC is the psychoactive part that gives one that like high, that Snoop Dogg, Willie Nelson feel. (laughs) The second component, main component anyway, is the cannabinodiol, also known as CBD. So the CBD is believed to help quiet the excessive electrical brain activity, which causes seizures and epilepsy. And because seizures are really just a misfiring of the electrical part of our brains, CBD is also said to help with pain, inflammation, just like you had mentioned at the top of the episode. So this is really good for those of us with parents that are suffering from arthritis. Yeah, or any chronic pain. Right. So there are other components, just so you know. There's CBN, it makes you sleepy, THCV, as in Victor, which is believed to help regulate insulin in the body. There are also terpenes, which give off a scent. So if you've ever smelled fresh lavender, and it gives you that like nice calming effect, that's also present in cannabis. And when you smell a lemon, and it gives you that kind of like uplifting, almost a happy feeling, this is limonene. And this chemical is also found in cannabis. So that's going a little too deep for our 30-minute podcast, so I'll skip over this part. But just be aware that there are hundreds of components that science is still trying to research and uncover what each of them do. In a TED Talks by a woman, Mara Gordon, who had back surgery, something supposed to be very routine, it somehow went wrong, and she was left with chronic back pain. She left the hospital on fentanyl patches, methadone. All in all, she was taking about 26 different pharmaceuticals, mostly opioids. After a ton of weight gain, she knew there had to be another way to treat her chronic pain because 
She said life was becoming less worth living. Sounds pretty bad. She met a woman who made pop brownies for her boyfriend who had chronic neck pain. And he was able to sleep all night after eating one single brownie. So she was really intrigued. She went to her first dispensary, got schooled by the person behind the counter, also known as the bud tender, which I thought was a cool name. (laughs) In a Nova documentary titled The Cannabis Question, someone from one of the larger dispensaries, Harborside, stated that he also believes cannabis medicine should be taught in every medical school. And since we cannot, he does try to train his staff. My thought right after he said that was, can you imagine the time it has to take to stay on top of all the articles being pumped out? It sounds like he enjoys it. So I think that it's less laborious when you actually enjoy something as opposed to when you have to do it. True. And then getting everybody together though, too. And like, okay, or maybe I guess it's just like one mass email. Everybody take five minutes and read the latest on XYZ or whatever. That or happy hour. Yeah. Oh, like legit happy hour. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so back to this uh, Mara Gordon or Mara Gordon. So she heard so many stories. People were treating not just back pain or pain in general, but IBS, anxiety, epilepsy. She went home and she tried it with one puff. She said her pain level went from an eight to a level two. To go from an eight to a two seems huge, like a huge win. Especially without opioids, she was able to wean herself off completely from fentanyl and all the other opioids and just strictly using CBD oil. My thought process is even if I stop this episode here where you can drastically reduce pain and not need these awful, super addictive opioids, I would say this is definitely medicine. Like, what's the argument? You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, the argument is a lot of the people that we have in power that will pretty much do whatever they can to... Well, actually, that might be changing, though, because I think it passed the Senate, right? Yeah, let's hope. In Sanjay Gupta's documentary, Weed, Chaz Moore, who is 19, also uses two strains, and he has myoclonus, and it's basically a disorder of the diaphragm. It kind of, like, just keeps fluttering his diaphragm, like it keeps flexing his diaphragm, and it makes him speak... Like he is, like he has like a hiccup attack or something. It's really strange. He took one puff and this is all in the documentary. So you guys have to watch it. And it completely stopped. Like even his voice sounded so much more relaxed. He sounded so relieved. It was really wild to see. Sounded rich and smooth. Yeah. (laughs) Suddenly he went to like Barry White. I'm just kidding. No, no. It wasn't that drastic. Before cannabis, uh, he was taking Valium. He was taking morphine, and sometimes he would end up in the hospital. It was really sad. His dad vouches that his quality of life has just gone up a thousand percent. I don't know if that's obviously true, right? The whole thousand percent, but <laughs> but that's his claim for sure. That's awesome. Maybe nine hundred ninety-eight percent. I could believe that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a Netflix documentary that I watched. It's called Weed the People. Clever name, by the way. A 16-year-old young man himself was actually talking about how scary it was to hear the phrase pediatric oncology because he really didn't even know what it meant. He found out at 13 years old that he had stage 4 osteosarcoma, which is bone cancer. During his second chemo, his lung collapsed. 
because the cancer had already spread to his lungs and he had to stay in the hospital for six to eight weeks. The cancer came back again in his spine. He had to have a couple of ribs removed. And during that surgery, his nerves were severed and a couple of the nerves that were going to his right hand were affected. So he lost the use of his right hand. A month and a half after his surgery, they found out that he had 20 tumors in his lungs. Poor kid. Um, They had to go get a permit so that they could buy CBD. Two syringes, okay, just 10 grams of cannabis cost $1,010. It sounds so expensive. But the dad was like, it's my son. What are we going to do? Of course, we're going to pay it. His son was addicted to pain pills. He would wake up at like 6 a.m. in sheer pain, get two Oxycontin pills, and then would start to cry a few hours later. And his dad would try to do anything, give him Advil, Tylenol, just to hold him off until he can get another two Oxys later. After he started taking only a sesame seed size of oil on a Monday, by Friday, he was only on one Oxy a day. This is huge. These stories are really moving. Um, He was also vomiting all the time. He wouldn't move. He'd just kind of lay in bed. By Friday, they said he was up and eating and walking around the house. Both parents attested to him being night and day difference just on this cannabis oil. And in four months, all tumors were completely gone. They did a PET scan, an MRI, CT, all completely negative. Do keep in mind, though, this was in conjunction with chemo, but still miraculous. And let's think about this. He was on chemo for three years, and only at the tail end of it did he get the oil for the last four months, and then it went away. I don't know. Like, I guess the dots are easy to connect. They're in murky waters, but I feel like it's still kind of easy to connect. What do you feel about that? I feel like the CBD oil that he was taking probably made the chemo more... um... Effective, maybe? No, not more effective. No, it probably made it more bearable. I don't think the CBD would have cured it because then it would be in medical journals. Hmm. I think if he had chemotherapy for three years, that probably was what cured him. But yeah, I'm not knocking it. I, I definitely do believe that the CBD oil did make it more bearable for him. For sure. I, I think that seems to do a whole lot for pain. Yeah, and that has been documented and researched. Yeah. Here is a listen up moment, y'all. Still in the Netflix doc, one of the researchers in Israel shows these pictures. Okay, so you got to imagine a page. Three pictures at the top, and there's three in the middle, and then there's three on the bottom. I'm only going to talk about a few. The ones at the top, on the upper left-hand side, there were a ton of black dots. And those black dots were cancer cells, specifically colon cancer. The one in the middle at the top only had about five black dots. And those were treated with a specific strain of cannabis. So it somehow killed all of these cancer cells. And uh, on another slide, he shows breast cancer with that same strain, and it actually had no effect. So it didn't kill any cancer cells. So he's basically showing why research needs to continue. Uh, On another set of pictures, they also showed healthy colon cells. And then another picture, it almost looked identical, same healthy colon cells, but this was still with cannabis. So they even used cannabis on it just to show 
it doesn't kill any healthy cells. So if it's not going to kill any healthy cells and it's only killing the cancer and you can't OD on this stuff, I mean, it seems like a win to me. I don't know. Like you said, more research needs to be done. It needs to be replicated rather than just be anecdotal evidence at this point. What they're trying to work on, I think, is just having more published papers out there. Because from what everything that I had read in all those like Sanjay Gupta's, they were talking about how hard it is even to get research done here in the United States. So all these other countries that are a little bit more progressive is where we're kind of relying on them for all the research. That I do believe. Yeah, sadly. The quick and dirty of how this is killing cancer cells is called apoptosis. Very fun word to say, by the way. (laughs) It's when cells, in the simplest of terms, kill themselves. They kind of kamikaze themselves. Every cell has the power to check in with itself and see if something's wrong. If it sees that something's wrong, it's going to take itself out. So what the researchers are finding is it's like cannabis gives back the ability to see that there is something wrong with themselves and then they're able to take themselves out. It's almost like granting them a cool pair of sunglasses that helps you identify who the assholes are. And then they put them on and they're like, oh shit, that's me. Adios muchachos, right? (laughs) This might be a good time to cut to a commercial break and then we can hear some more great stories and then learn some more cool things. Starting out your day on the right foot is crucial to ensure you have a great day. And CC Jitters is here to make sure that day stays great. Serving up everything you need from that trusty cup of coffee brewed from 100% Arabica beans to our famous Bibacinos. Take a walk or run on the wild side with our specialized drinks like the Flash, Cicada, Killer Frost, or Zoom. Or if you need an extra shot of caffeine, the Espresso is sure to wake you up. Stop by at any of our Central City locations. There's sure to be one by you. We're also located in the Windsor Heights, Petersburg, and Moundsview areas. Not a CC's Jitters nearby? No sweat. Hit up one of our vending machines, serving up our best-selling cappuccino, latte, espresso, or decaffeinated coffees. Follow us on the socials to sign up for our monthly trivia nights, where the winner walks away with a $75 Jitters gift card. And we're back. Did you find any CBD oil during your (laughs) break? No, I actually was not looking for any during the break. I'm just, I'm kidding. I know. That was my bad. (laughs) I didn't understand the assignment. (laughs) Diving back in. Back in 1805, cannabis was actually frequently prescribed until the early 20th century. It was really outlawed because of racism, xenophobia, anti-Mexican sentiment to be exact also. The U.S. government claimed cannabis holds, quote unquote, no medical value. After all these stories, it's really hard to believe that it doesn't hold any medical value. The Marijuana Tax Act of 1937 was essentially like a prohibition law, but for marijuana. Even the Medical Association of 1937 sent in a letter advising marijuana should not be banned because of substantial medical uses already. That seems pretty clear. 
Even the U.S. government holds a patent that it says cannabis is an antioxidant and protects the brain after a brain injury. How is that possible? And yet they're also saying it holds no medical value. Well, what are they doing with this patent? I agree it was all due to racism and xenophobia, all the puritanical viewpoints back then. Right. I can easily see that. So when it was outlawed, it was listed as a Schedule One drug, and it still is today. This is actually what makes it so hard to deschedule marijuana to make it easier to research because it's labeled the worst of the worst. Do you want to know another drug that's also a Schedule One drug? Heroin? Heroin, exactly. Dude, those two drugs don't run in the same circle. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, not at all. Quick story of what this reminds me of. Many years ago, in my 20s, I forgot to go to jury duty. I know, really awful. And I actually like going, by the way. The judge was explaining the severity of the crime of missing jury duty to me and my fellow outlaws. I probably should have said that in more like a Texas accent. <laughs> my fellow outlaws. But the judge was also talking about the punishment for this crime. Check this out. A fine of up to $1,000, which already right there. Can we pause for a second? I'm going to have to sell a kidney black market to pay that fine. <laughs> and jail time not to exceed six months. Uh, what is that convicted felon conversation going to look like? Someone telling me, I killed my old lady. What are you in for? And then I have to say, missing jury duty? I can't say that. <laughs> so what kind of... What kind of pansy is that going to make me? I'm going to have to chop off one of my fingers just to get some jail street cred back. <laughs> the sad thing is that those mandatory minimums, they go into effect for marijuana possession also. So there's people that are serving longer time for possessing marijuana than there are people serving for murdering somebody or raping somebody. Yeah, or pedophilia or something like that. I agree. It's awful. It makes zero sense. My point being, yes, it's a crime, but are they really on the same level? And marijuana and heroin, yes, they're both drugs. They're definitely not on the same level. Heck, cocaine is a Schedule two. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Our last two stories. Cecilia Van Hartz. She was a baby when she was diagnosed with brain cancer, but the brain cancer had a 97% curable rate. So this gave her parents real high hopes for beating cancer. They went through six months of chemo. Four months, she had no cancer. Happy baby. But then she started having trouble breathing. The doctors found out that her cancer had returned. Now it was in her lungs and it was stage four, similar to the 16-year-old that I had mentioned earlier. Her tiny right lung was full of tumors. Now she needed even more chemo and something even stronger because they had mentioned that when cancer returns, it returns with a vengeance. And usually it's more resilient to chemo, which is why they need something stronger. At this point, Cecilia was three years old and it took such a toll on her tiny body. She was only 19 pounds. That's so hard to imagine. They opted completely out of treatment because her dad didn't think that she, well, more specifically, her body could even survive one more round of chemo. Her parents, desperate for anything to work, learned about cannabis oil from the mom's uncle, and she started taking it right away. She went in for an MRI scan at the three-month mark. Her largest tumor at the time was 4.2 millimeters, and at the three-month mark, it went down to 1.62. 
and then she had another tumor that was one millimeter, and that one was completely gone in three months. She's now cancer-free, and she's still taking the oil, but as a preventative measure. And the dad says he completely believes 100% that it was because of the cannabis and their faith in God. The last story is coming from Sanjay Gupta's doc, uh, Weed. You can also see this story, oh my God, online and like YouTube. It is adorable. This little girl, her name is Charlotte Biggie. She lives in Colorado. She happens to have a fraternal twin. So it was really easy for the parents to notice right away when she was not cognitively developing along with her sister. So when she was only two years old, she started having a lot of seizures. Hospital bills were stacking up because of spinal taps, MRIs. Each ER visit, the doctors kept saying they couldn't find anything wrong with her until finally the doctors found out what it was. It's called Dravet syndrome, which is a severe intractable epilepsy. Unfortunately, kids with this die in childhood, which meant time was really running out for Charlotte because she was turning three years old. Like any good parent, they tried everything. They tried acupuncture, weird diets, Valium. Charlotte was starting to seize up to 50 times a night. Her twin would go into her parents' room where Charlotte was and just hug her sister helplessly because she really couldn't do anything. By this point, Charlotte was five years old. Her dad was deployed to Afghanistan, which really meant her mom was doing a lot by herself. But the dad was still contributing immensely by researching online. And he came across a video, another child with Dravet syndrome. And the dad, or perhaps his caretaker, had mentioned that his son had not had a seizure in four days because of cannabis. The dad tells the mom and says, hey, let's try this. But the mom was not really on board. She was not really down with uh, Mary Jane. When Charlotte got worse, up to 300 seizures a week. This is two an hour. Charlotte couldn't talk anymore. She was catatonic. She had a feeding tube. There were no other options. And Charlotte's mom finally thought, okay, let's give cannabis a try. She was the youngest patient in Colorado at the time. And the doctor was really hesitant, but he did go ahead and grant the suggestion of cannabis. The doctor was also interviewed and he talked about how while he was reviewing her, she had two seizures and he saw there's no other hope. So basically it was just a, this is the last straw. They found a strain that was high in CBD, but low in THC. Remember THC is the part that makes you actually feel high. And remember, the mom only wanted for her to reap the benefits of the cannabinoid without getting her daughter high. She didn't want Charlotte to like be puff the magic dragon or anything, right? The bud tender said that it was really weird that she was buying this because he said no one wanted to buy this type of strain. Thankfully, she knew someone who could help extract all the oil that she needed. She measured it out with a syringe, squirted a little bit under Charlotte's tongue, and they just stared at her daughter waiting to see what happened. And when nothing happened, it was the best nothing ever because she did not have a seizure for the rest of the night. She didn't have a seizure the next day or the next day after that. I'm sure it was the best boring week she had had in years. But within a couple of weeks, panic started to set in because now they were running out of cannabis and the dispensary didn't have any more of that particular strain that was low in THC and high in CBD. 
the mom found out about a dispensary ran by six brothers, the Stanley brothers. They bred the plants low in THC, high in CBD, just like they needed. They allowed her to pay anything that she could afford. They really sounded like angels. Naturally, these brothers were also extremely hesitant when they found out that they were going to be using it for a five-year-old. But after they learned about what it did for her, the hesitancy went out the door. She went from having 300 seizures a week to only one week. She's no longer catatonic. She's talking. She's no longer on a feeding tube. The Stanley brothers went on to rename that specific strain to Charlotte's Web in honor of Charlotte Figgy. And it now helps more than 41 children in Colorado. This was by far my favorite success story. What, what do you think about that specific one? Well, that is pretty awesome. I'm glad that it worked for her. It's insane. You have to see it. Like I mentioned before, our sliver of hope is to do as much research as possible. At least other countries are able to do more until we lift restrictions for the United States here, because it seems like a lot of lives depend on it. Even Willie Nelson himself, who's probably like 80% THC, <laughs> he said it saved his own life. He said there's no way he would have made it to 85 years of life if he would have kept drinking and smoking the way he was when he was 30. And he confessed that it helped keep him from wanting to kill people. <laughs> and it probably helped others from killing him too. <laughs> this is the end of our, at least the learning portion of it. Any, uh, any thoughts? No, I agree with you. I do feel like they need to do a lot more research. I know that I, it sounded like I was poo-pooing what you were saying earlier. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. <laughs> And it's not because I don't want to believe it or anything, but you know me, I'm a skeptic. I want to be a believer, but I want to see all the research and everything. And, you know, definitely those stories sound very compelling, but, you know, I want it to be at the point where these studies are being peer reviewed, they're being replicated, and that's at a point where the scientific community is at a consensus about it. Yeah. Um, I know Israel is probably by far the one that has the most research. Uh, it sounded like because it is all legal, the doctors there can actually prescribe and the growers are all under the federal government. So all of that information, all of that data is like one giant research group. So the cool thing is they get all of that information back as opposed to like here in the United States, like we only get to do like certain little groups here and there. And over there, I mean, it's the whole country. Yeah, And it's, since it's still illegal federally, I believe they can't get any federal funding so that really stifles the research. Yeah. Money talks, as they say, for sure. And that is very true. Well, congratulations, lovelies. You've done it again, folks. You have learned all about CBD, THC, and BBD, the East Coast family. <laughs> we hope that you've been entertained by our chat and invite you to join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter at GreetingsTAC. Email us at GreetingsTAC at gmail.com. Or my favorite, leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you have a story to share with us. Yeah. You know you do. Motown, feel it back again. With a little East Coast swing. Wang.